It's Irving, and you are listening to Asians in Space. I would like to begin by acknowledging that I'm fortunate enough to write, record, and produce this podcast on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples. This week on Asians in Space, I conclude my discussion with chef, nutritionist, writer, and speaker, Karima Shalou. This week, we talk about the importance of knowing the stories behind the food we eat. She talks about cooking and caring for her grandmother, and we pay tribute to her grandmother by talking about one of her loves, pro wrestling before bringing it all back together. So since you're a chef, nutritionist, and I like talking about food, love food, mm-hmm. um, why is it important to know the stories behind food? And what does diving into this unlock for people? Mm, all right. I know it's, it's a big question. It is a, it is a huge question, and I really love it. Um, The stories behind food are so important because for a lot of people, it might be all they have of their culture. Mm -hmm. It might be how we communicate to each other, like all the different love languages that they are. Yeah. Food is such a huge one in Asian cultures and like it's an act of service, but it's also nourishing somebody, right? It's like how our parents bring us like plates of fruit. And it's like proof of survival. Yes. Yeah. Like so many of us have elders who you know, grew up through hard times and they were hungry and for them to be able to provide for us. To go to the grocery store and just buy food instead of just like, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Exactly. Because cultural revolution and also outside imperialism and opium war. My grandma grew up in a fucking jungle. Like, I get to walk down the street when I feel like getting out of bed and pick up produce from the other side of the world. Sometimes I feel like a major asshole for being like, oh, what am I going to do today? Um, and, oh, I know. Oh, they didn't have the kind of oranges I wanted. Um, and then we wonder why our parents hate us sometimes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so lucky that my parents don't see this side of me. <laughs> I don't even know if they know what podcasts are, so I think that they're just never going to hear this, too. Um, so food is just it's something that is really sweet and can be like as broad as a nation or as personal as just Mm -hmm. a family member Mm -hmm. you know sharing something with you Mm -hmm. now through feeding mama i've been able to learn a lot more about ingredients that i see everywhere Mm -hmm. this one time i asked my grandma to go with me to like one of the herbal stores in chinatown and tell me what everything is yeah and you know we'd be looking at things like you know, goji berries, burdock root, red dates, uh, all these dried mushrooms Rock and everything, candy. all the stuff. Yeah. Lizard on a stick, very cool. And uh, you know, I've like, soup, not so cool. Yeah, don't just eat like tri- don't don't eat tripe soup. I've never had it, and I have no desire to do it. And I no, just so what's wild about it is like it doesn't taste; it just adds texture to the soup. Mm-hmm. Like it's covered with chicken or pork broth. Yeah, yikes! It's a status thing. It is. It is entirely a status thing, yeah. and. Something that is done only for status without regard for who it hurts is uh, something that I'm, I'm not a big fan of. Okay, every single war ever waged. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my god. <laughs> people need to, like, chill. Not you. People with weapons. <laughs> so my grandma, I'd be like, Grandma, can you tell me about these things? And she'd just be like, oh, it's it goes in a soup. And I'm like, okay. What? Like, to literally every yeah. ingredient I asked her about, she'd be like, it goes in a soup. And I'd be like... Can I have more information than Not every soup contains every single ingredient in this herbal spice. Right, I'm like, I'm trying! Like, 
you know, um, it's it's weird to feel like mm-hmm. an outsider in your own culture. And I think that food is such a beautiful bridge for connecting people, not only with like their origin or with like history, which is something that I love studying. I love studying food history, mm-hmm. whether it's talking to people about the origin of their culture's food or like going through several Wikipedia rabbit holes, which is like, you know, what I do when I can't sleep. Um, <laughs> it's so, it is so much fun. Maybe you can't sleep because of the phone on the light on your phone, and your brain's like it's daytime still. That too. I only commit to it when I know I'm not going to be able to sleep okay, for a night, right. which thankfully isn't that much anymore. My bouts of insomnia are almost non-existent now. Also, people like, get enough sleep, you'll feel better. Oh my god, it's to- it's totally true. Like a pa- a couple of times the past month, I got seven hours of sleep, and every time I woke up, I was like wow, is this what a human feels like? <laughs> like in between the holidays and taking care of my grandma before mm-hmm. and after work and working six or seven days a week because I was like, well, if I'm going to try and get out of student debt, let's get that holiday money. Yeah, um, so if you see Karima's Instagram stories, <laughs> she cooks at her normal job and then she makes food for her grandma to bring for her to her hospital. Thank you. So <laughs> what food I'm, do you make... Did you, like, specifically plan out those meals? No, I just, like, look at the produce store and see, like, okay, what looks really good. And Mm -hmm. then I look at the large list of my grandma's dietary limitations for what Mm -hmm. she's not supposed to have. You know, whether it's an allergy or something that will interact with her medication or something that will uh, exacerbate health conditions that she's already struggling with. And that's where my skills as both a chef and as a nutritionist and as an Asian person uh, come in handy. It's like this fantastic trifecta of like the perfect nexus of my skills is figuring out how to make something amazing for somebody who can't have a lot of stuff. And that's honestly where I kind of saw my skills going when I first started cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I you always write wanted, that cookbook. Yeah, one day. I've always wanted to like get into teaching and help teach people how to take care of themselves better. And I'm sort of doing some of that right now with health workshops. But back to my grandma's food. Mm-hmm. So she's an old lady, and she's a bit stubborn. You know, she likes what she likes. And, and at this know, point, she's like, I ain't changing for nobody. Pretty you much. She's like, you know what? I'm 84. I had a good life. YOLO! And I'm going to eat all my favorite foods <laughs> yeah, all the time. Pretty much. And so she's kind of just at the mercy of whatever the hospital gives her. Yeah. And, uh... And it's definitely not... It's not... I wouldn't say that it's foods that will best support her healing requirements. Yeah, it's not like, Chinese food, so like... Exactly. Like, and she'll eat non-Chinese food, but she'll be very fussy about it. Yo, um, trying to bring her something that's familiar and yeah. is healthy and doesn't like, you know, it isn't like something that's crossed off the list of things mm-hmm. that she can't have. So oftentimes it'll be something like uh, rice with vegetables and uh, protein of some sort, yeah. uh, but like really fresh, lots mm-hmm. of greens that are still green when she gets them. Then like brown rice and maybe be, I'll cook it in coconut milk or something because mm-hmm. she's not able to eat very much. I want to make everything as nutrient dense and healthy and strong for her as possible because- The most, get the most for those portion size. Exactly, yeah. So working in like health and wellness, um, Those were heavy quotation marks, by the way. Air quotes! Yes. Uh, so there was this one place that I worked at that would have us go to like seminars to learn about different products from uh, companies that we were carrying products from. And so this guy was teaching us about a protein powder that mm-hmm. he had. Now, 
common misconception is that you yeah. should only have protein powder if you're working out. That's not it. Like anybody can, yeah, anybody can use them, especially if you're sick and unable to digest food well. It's great at helping prevent with like muscle loss and such. Um, yeah, again, they're calories. Exactly, and and protein that your body needs to function and make more cells out of. Please get enough protein. Um, and so he was saying that older people need. Mm -hmm. This guy, this rep from this company, was saying that older people need more protein than other people. Because their and, bodies are literally deteriorating. Yeah, and so, uh, like, I love asking people pain-in-the-ass questions that make them go, oh, okay. Uh, and I asked him why that was, and he said, well, because they're not able to digest their food as well. Like, they can't... Your body changes as you... Go yeah. for different stages of life. Exactly. Like, as you progress through further seasons of your life, your ability to digest food declines. Now... For lots of different reasons, including uh, having less uh, ability to make, like you know, stomach acid and break your food down, and that which helps you absorb it better and get more nutrients out of it. For example, so when you see old people having hot water with lemon because it is warm and because it is also acidic, they're actually like that stimulating is stimulating digestion process. They are. It's a genius hack um, that helps them get more nutrition out of the food that they have. Like one of my teachers in school is a doctor, super brilliant naturopath, and he would emphasize to us that like your diet is not your nutrition like what you are able to absorb isn't the same as what is on your plate mm -hmm. and so as people who are studying digestive health and helping people with their digestion it is our goal to help them get the most that they can out of whatever it is that they decide to eat right mm -hmm. so i said to him well then why don't we just like instead of just telling people take more protein why don't we also tell them like here's some digestive tips to help you so that you can get better use out of this product and you know your whole life and he's like oh yeah i guess and it's like it's more important that people get proper service and assistance and qualified advice than just trying to sell them things especially when you're older and you have like a limited income let's say right yeah. so you know well, I mean, you don't have time to do all this research on your own exactly like and a lot of older people can be set in their ways and you know, they're just like, this is what I'm gonna do, and this is how I've always done it and stuff. But there are a lot also who are like, you know, I'm I'm open to trying something new yeah. because my life is changing and I mm -hmm. need to do this. This is something also that I think a lot about with New Year's resolutions is that people are always like, I'm gonna change my body, I'm gonna make it look like this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. But they like don't, they're mad at their body or at themselves for not looking a certain way that they think it's supposed to look or do yeah. a certain thing that they think it's supposed to do instead of, understanding what their body does and that we change all the time mm -hmm. and trying to help support it best to guide it to something that you want it to be able to do mm -hmm. like new year new you is such it makes me so very angry and it's something that people don't understand what an insult and disservice it is to themselves and the entire life that they've cultivated and uh, and everything that they've done. If they feel like they just need to like drop everything and change everything and become somebody else suddenly. It's like, if you've been living on autopilot, okay, sure. Maybe it's time to wake up and like steer that plane in the right direction. Okay. But um, that doesn't mean throw your entire life in the garbage. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean you just start off on a clean slate because the Gregorian calendar says to do so. Like, that's not how anything works. Um, so my grandma, I bring her healthy meals. Yeah. <laughs> Something that's familiar and healthy and, you know, just as best as I can. You know, like, she, she sleeps a lot. 
she eats a bit, I try to ask her if she can eat more, like yeah. as much as is comfortable for her to do so. Um, but right now at the at the season of her life that this is unfortunately yeah. it's just helping her run out the clock in as little pain as possible mm. um you know like i i've been asking her for years to let me please cook for her yeah let me help her let me do all these other things and but uh, since she was a granddaughter she's like no i'm supposed to take care of you in a way yeah we're, but also like you know how culturally Shame is such a huge thing too, and not yeah. wanting to burden other people and, and not talk about it. Yeah, and, and for her also, cooking isn't—it's not a joyful thing. It's just—it's well, you gotta get fed, so oh, you gotta cook. Yeah. But for me, it's like I love food so much, and I love sharing it with people so much that it's, I make it—I made it not just a job; I made it my career, <laughs> and it would be such a great honor to be able to use it to help her. Um, you know, and it took her a really long time to be able to understand that. Like, I finally got to make something for her last year, and she said, you're a really good cook. And I was like, well, thank you. I was like, do you know who I am? <laughs> but, um, yo, she knows you're a good cook. She, she might not remember tomorrow, but like... Yeah, exactly. That's why I show up, like, every day as much yeah. as I can, because even if her memory is gone, like, she'll get reminded a lot. You know, interestingly, um... This is also a perfect, like, trifecta of happenings where she's lost her memory. She now has a hearing aid, and also she, she does recognize that the end is unfortunately coming, is that she now says, I love you, like, all the time. It only took 20 years of me saying it to her for her to say it back. Yo, that is... <laughs> That's fucking Asian gold right there. I won the lottery. Um, she says it to me at least twice a day. Like, I know. Okay, have you seen The Farewell? Yes. Everybody else, if you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing right now and watch it. No, finish the podcast and then go watch it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> so, so the part where... But Aquafina, spoilers right now. Spoilers! Okay, here we go. So the part where Aquafina's talking to her Nai on the phone yeah. in Mandarin, and then as they're hanging up and she says, I love you to her Nai mm -hmm. and her Nai says it back in English twice like in the theater i was like they put that in there for everyone who never got to hear it <laughs> you know like she i don't know if it's because she's you know losing yeah. a filter in some way but i walked into her house uh recently mm -hmm. and i just or her home and i said to her like hey grandma how's it going and the first thing she said was i love you i was like what the fuck hey, is wrong who are you <laughs> and what did you do with my grandmother person who's wearing my grandma's skin where is she like <laughs> i'm like oh god you haven't eaten all day you're hallucinating right i'm like how are you is everything okay like who gave you drugs exactly what's what's going on here why what do i need to sort out i know it's legal here now but like come on <laughs> right it's like in Little Miss Sunshine where the grandpa's like, it might you be stupid not to do it, right? Like, yeah. uh, and so um, for her, it's just, she says it to me frequently. I don't know if it's because she's yeah. forgotten that she's said mm -hmm. it to me like in a visit and she'll yeah. say it again or if she's just doing it for emphasis, yeah. but I will take all of them. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, food is one of the last ways that I can connect with her because she doesn't always understand my words mm -hmm. and you know she's not gonna read my massive instagram posts yeah. that's for our generation <laughs> to pop in and pop out my as one also probably like can't 
Like, see my screen? Like, I'm just serious. <laughs> it's true, though. Um, and also, I like I did a Lunar New Year brunch pop-up last year, mm-hmm. and it was with dishes that were inspired by growing up with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, it makes me really sad that she didn't get to try them and that now they, they violate, like, all of the things she's allowed to eat. Yo, but, like, a lot of traditional, like, cuisines, mm-hmm. they are not... <laughs> There, there are no substitutes. Let me it's put that true. way. If like you're allergic to red peppers, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to eat this meal and then die. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's the thing. You work and then you die. You eat this and then you die. Like, like there's no <laughs> food restrictions in like Asian traditional culinary. Like I, it's not a thing. It's true in a way. It's one of those things where also like the globalization of our diet and the modernization of our diet has changed things. Like I'll read articles about how like the structure of an Italian-American meatball is different than, you know, the the original meatballs that started in Italy, blah, because of what happened when they came here. But um, how certain things are here, like the introduction of dairy into the Chinese diet. Nope. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> like, I love ice cream. I'll eat it, but like, <laughs> something that I've done is making, learning to make a lot more um, plant-based Asian food as well, and which is nice because you know friends of friends that we have in common as well who don't get to enjoy and celebrate the same way with their families and engage in the cultural. Well, yeah, like some friends who don't eat meat anymore. They're just like, yo, I miss chashu bao. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta like figure out how to make some like barbecue jackfruit bao or something. No, so like they have um <laughs> the two vegetarian dim sum places on Kingsway. Ooh. We go there. Like and like they have like their version of Chashu Bao. Mm-hmm. Like obviously the most important part is the sauce. Yes. That's just sugar. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being completely honest. Yes. You know, every time I go like, out to dim sum I have like a green smoothie beforehand. <laughs> the good thing about dim sum though is like Dim sum is better than I'd say like brunch things. Because mm-hmm. I could eat dim sum like every weekend. Yes. But like I can't eat chicken and waffles every weekend. I like, <laughs> as a chef, I am very selective about if I'm going to go to brunch somewhere because mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay $17 for someone to make me sunny eggs and toast. I don't care enough about them for that. Mm-hmm. But I will get, I will happily pay $17 for a lot of dumplings. Or like a Taiwanese-style breakfast. Mm-hmm. Ooh, with that sweet bread and that condensed milk you did there. Oh, my so God. So good. <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. the reason why I want to talk to you about food, obviously, not just because you're a nutritionist and a chef and you know what the fuck you're talking about. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I feel like... Nowadays, with so much turmoil and stuff, people try and sell you the lie of, like, universal truths. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them don't exist. <laughs> or are just, like, they're bullshit. Do you mean, like, nutritional claims as universal truths? or Yeah, like or that? just, like, how, like, oh, we're all people, da 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 whatever. We just want, like, like that type <laughs> of nonsense. Mm-hmm. But I truly believe food is one of the few universal truths mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world. I think it's important for people to be able to sit at a table with someone else and you know share in a meal and learn about another culture or engage with other people and especially you know learn how to mm-hmm. do so in a respectful way. Um, something really touching and poignant that's coming to mind right now is the Dumpling King and mm-hmm. his love for the culture and the food, you know, as somebody... And the defense of Chinatown. Yes. And, like, the space that 
the food that this food comes from. Absolutely. So to everyone who, you know, is like, who is she talking about? The real Dumpling King, aka right. the Dumpling King, Matthew Murtaugh Wu, <laughs> Mega Sweetie Pie, and his fiance Lauren, also Mega Sweetie Pie. I found out that my sister used to work with Lauren, and I love that we're all friends, but like we haven't all hung out together. That's so cute. Um, so he is a huge promoter of, you know, Chinese culture, I think also Taiwanese culture. And, yeah. Um, the the North American Chinese experience, he's, but he's, also he's like he's a very big champion of Chinatown. He is, which and is also, fantastic because um, Chinatown's getting gentrified the fuck out of right now. It is like, and it's it's such a hard situation where how do I explain even uh, like so many of the storefronts that we see there that have been in families mm-hmm. for generations and generations. Um, they're changing. They're changing, or they're going to be closing. Like. The, a lot of the green grocers are closing, um, the herbal stores, like what's going to happen when this latest generation, you know, passes away or doesn't want, can't hand it down to their kids because their kids were fortunate enough to be able to. Because they don't want that for their kids. Yeah, they don't want that for their kids or their kids don't want that for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like something huge that I recognize as a gift that I was given like from an early age is my mom gave me the gift of freedom. An agency? Yeah. yeah, like my grandma came here and it was like, you gotta work hard, you gotta assimilate, you, you gotta, gotta do all these other things. Yeah, she worked you, you, hard. You don't have the privilege of exploring anything beyond that. Yeah, idea. and so for that reason, she mostly only hung out and still only mostly hangs out with older Chinese people, like, mm-hmm. and speaks the language and just sort of in her yeah. own little bubble. And in a way, I'm grateful that she has that. But in a way, I'm also a little bit sad that she hasn't had the the safety and support to be able to venture outside of that. Now, when people are always like, why don't people, why do people only hang out with their own types? Like, if there are people who come from a marginalized group, they often don't. They're seeking security. Yeah, they need safety and they need security. And, and they need that support system to survive in a new country. Exactly, because the country is not, I wouldn't say not equipped for them to do well, it's that it hasn't wanted them to the, do well. The, it's a huge difference. The, the execution yeah. from institutions yes. is not a linear, nor streamlined, nor efficient thing. Yes. Yeah. Now it I'm, is a mess. It is I'm in a lot of ways. It. Like, and I've been really thankful for certain public systems and institutions, like hospitals, mm-hmm. to see where it is that they've been able to take care of certain needs of hers, especially. But understanding how history works, how civic policy works, how national policy works, and societal norms, norms and contracts. And, yeah, and how people treat. Heavy air quotes, others here, Um, you know, it's it's something really hard and I can understand why elders don't like talking about these things because it's it's rough. Yeah, ageism Um, is real. Ageism is real. Um, People in older generations than us not having the language or the tools to understand the damage that's being done to them. Like, here's a thing, like younger people like us, like we're millennials of color. We are so fortunate to have the language and the tools to be able to discuss and pick apart and dismantle and protect ourselves from what's happening to us. It's like squeezing lemon juice on an open cut, but we have the ability to find that lemon, cut it open and squeeze it on ourselves. We don't have to just like push it down and be like, 
okay, let's go. Yeah, they planted They planted the seeds. They grew the tree. We were able to take the fruit from that tree. And in the way where my grandma had to work hard to come here and be able to raise a family through trying times, right. my mom being able to give me the freedom mm -hmm. to be my fucking self, yeah. it's my job to be myself, but also tell them it's okay for them to be themselves yeah. too. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are struggling to come to terms with. Like the, the, the fight to, uh, the fight against yourself to make yourself assimilate, to be able to survive for your whole life. When a cultural shift happens where, guess what? It's suddenly cool to be Asian. It's suddenly accepted and normal to be Asian. Like it's, it's, like seen as something excellent and glamorous now. Wow, like, yeah, but like how does that make people feel when suddenly they're okay, right? It, it's insidious. Yeah, it is. It's like, what does it mean when we're finally acceptable? What does it mean when like my culture's food is suddenly the hot new thing? Like, it's... I mean, I have a cynical answer. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's just like, we'll find another scapegoat and we'll be on top of someone else and we'll shit on them. It's, and uh, that's the cycle that we must break. Mm. But that's that's probably the reality of it. I'm just saying. It's something that like, I try to make sure that I don't do when I talk to other people of other cultures about food is like... Uh, you never want to sh shame or make fun of their like historical cultural practices regarding food. Oh, of course yeah. not. Never. Um, like, so what, part of why I was thinking of the Dumpling King earlier was mm -hmm. because of an article that he wrote in response to a bunch of racist people being jerks uh, about how when you mock a culture's food, you are mocking those people and hurting their feelings. So he wrote this really beautiful reflective essay mm -hmm. that was about bringing something or eating something he really enjoyed in school and people making fun of him and how deeply it stung. Um, and because I'm... It, it, doesn't feel like a referendum on your food. It feels like a referendum on yourself. Yeah, it's like, guess what? You're weird and you're gross and we don't like you and ha ha ha. Kids are so mean. And, you know, people who are adults who haven't grown clearly but are insecure, um, they, they'll they lash out in similar like, I know ways. I people that, like, will refuse to eat a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Like, I, they're, they're not in my life anymore. But... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. So, in like when he was uh, publicly writing, not just that article, yeah. but also Instagram posts about the discrimination he was experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, I decided to be supportive by also amplifying his message, like yeah. sharing his screenshots, but also in writing because people who people who care about my Instagram are typically people who care about people and issues. Um, I get very few jerks sending me random hateful messages. Anyway, um, they, they, uh, like, <laughs> it's their problem that they feel this way. Exactly. I, like, don't make it my problem. I will roast you. Um, I'll just block them. Right? <laughs> uh, so like, you, your emotional energy doesn't need to go to work for them. Exactly. It's like find a better outlet for this nonsense. Uh, so I wrote not just about what mm -hmm he was experiencing and why it was important to support him through this, but yeah. also like a, a history on anti-Asian racism in food and where it comes from. And hopefully that people would start understanding more of where this negative bias uh, has stemmed from. Uh, because a lot of people 
they've just absorbed cultural norms without really questioning where they come from and what they're rooted in. And, and you know once what? you everyone show, does that. Exactly. Everybody does that with something. Yeah. But here's the thing is like once you learn about where it came from and why it's wrong and what its root was. You can change. Exactly. It makes you want to go, oh wow, that's really old and really backwards and maybe I need to take this apart in my head and throw it in the bin where it belongs. So I actually got a couple of messages from friends mm-hmm. um, who were saying like, I'm really sorry i didn't know that i also had this bias like i learned it somewhere and i'm gonna make myself unlearn it like thanks for pointing these things out i needed to learn this about myself and i'm really sorry and like i'm just used to like eating unseasoned chicken my bad (laughs) a couple of people have sent me random messages like you know i tried tofu or tempeh one time i just fried it in a pan with nothing and it tastes weird why is that i'm like oh it's because you didn't season it you you gotta get soy sauce you gotta get rice vinegar like even red wine in there the only thing i eat unseasoned sometimes is like carrot sticks but like i mean even that you dip in dressing yeah or like i I dip them in like a homemade hummus or something but it's like very few foods Get like fresh produce, yeah, eat that on its own, whatever. No, will, like everything else needs something. I, I will always argue Asian cooking and the economy of Asia is the best food on the planet. Pretty rad. I will die on this <laughs> and you cannot give me an answer to dispute this. It is also so. We have India, China, and Japan. Like, what are you gonna do? And Korean food. There's so many. And Filipino food. There's and so food. many amazing like countries with so many amazing variations and dialects of food from all of them like yeah it's pretty wide spanning with food i have this one joke the only good thing to come out of colonialism is vietnamese french like fusion yo those baguettes (laughs) those steam injection oven crisp on the outside fluffy on the inside banh mi baguettes (laughs) we can undo we can work towards undoing all the colonial capitalist imperialist bullshit mm-hmm. but like bombies need to stay exactly <laughs> take this and then all of you get out of here you know like my dad's home country tunisia so yeah. they claimed their independence shortly after world war ii mm-hmm. uh they they were colonized by the french for a very long time and then after so after the french helped them mm-hmm. fight the nazis and get out of there they were like, sweet, thank you so much. Now leave. And I feel like that's a great way to do it. Be like, it's you like, did what you came here to do, now peace out. We helped you in your stupid exactly. war. Exactly. Take your shoes and get out. <laughs> but you know what? They didn't even take their shoes off when they got in the house, so like they were wearing them already. This like, oh my god, I get so mad at people when they don't take their shoes off. Oh I can't even it makes me just cringe. <laughs> Alright. Second the last thing I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So in tribute to your grandmother. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about wrestling, pro wrestling <laughs> for an undisclosed amount of time. One, because if you watch your Instagram stories, you'll know Karina's grandmother loves WWE and somehow <laughs> AEW, even though that came out this past year. AEW like, is pretty epic. AEW is like three months old and your grandma's on it already. Like, what the <laughs> But they've been like teasing it I and know. having like pay-per-views for a while. I know, so. but so like... I no longer watch wrestling on a week-to-week basis. Like, I haven't watched it since, I think, like, I don't think since, like, 2013. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to. <laughs> but somehow, the answer, like, the follow-up to that is even more nerdy than if I just said I watch it. Yeah. 
So I listen to two wrestling podcasts per week and then watch like YouTube videos like daily. <laughs> so I know what's going on. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I still get, I still am catching up to your grandmother apparently. <laughs> she watches it all the time, every day. <laughs> and you watch it with her, right? Sometimes, so- <laughs> yes. Like my, my uncle and also one of my dads, they've like mm-hmm. each brought like a tablet in so that when they're having like longer visits with her and she just wants to lie down in the hospital bed and relax like on an incline they have it so that she can just watch wrestling and just i i prefer like talking to her and trying to keep her mentally engaged and like verbally stimulated and see if i can help jog her memory or like you know keep her brain moving and such um they're just like she just wants to watch wrestling so i mean chairs and tables and bears oh my Did you get her a network subscription? No. How much yes. is... Is it still only $9.99 a month? Like, but she watches it all the time on, like, TV. So she knows what's going on. She, like... I don't even know, honestly. But like, it's just, like, familiar? It's very you know, familiar. No, the fact that she watches AEW, like, blows my mind. <laughs> my uncle puts it on for her. And she's just, like... She likes AEW because it's more extreme than WWE. Now, the thing is, like, the the dialogue and the yeah. storylines in WWE, they're so shallow. Yes, I'm criticizing their writing. That it doesn't even really get, matter get, what's get, happening, ever. Guess what? You and every other single wrestling fan in the world criticizes their Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, all she really needs to know is people are yelling at each other, and then they're all hitting each other. The end. Conclusion, right? But... My so my mom when she watches wrestling, she's also a wrestling fan, but she doesn't really watch it because she'll just like watch it through like her fingers and go, oh no, that's terrible. My poor mom, her kind heart. <laughs> my grandma, she'll see people hitting each other with chairs and stuff, and she'll just be like chuckling to herself. And I'm like, you have such like a wanton sense of like, rampant you... destruction, grandma. Also, it's like, I'm yo, into grandma it. appreciates slapstick comedy. Okay, I guess she does. Oh my goodness, like. <laughs> I've watched a couple of, I've like kind of glanced over and yeah. seen her like laughing when someone gets put through a table and stuff. And I'm like, you know why there's so many Canadian wrestlers is because of like healthcare. <laughs> I mean, we, they can take the risk. Yeah. It's not a perfect system, but we got it. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> the irony of like being in a hospital and trying to get healthy and while watching people tear each other apart. So like, did you watch it when you were younger with your mom and grandma? Uh, not with grandma yeah. because she lives separately, but okay. I did watch it, grow up watching it mostly when I, when I was like five, I was like reading comics with like the Bushwhackers and the Nasty Boys and like Big Boss Man and stuff, but this when, was, this was before my time. Probably. I'm, I think I'm older than you. Yeah. I'm 34 right now. Um, so, but then in like the early mid nineties or so when I was maybe like 10 or so, mm-hmm. um, we started watching WWE more yeah, um, because that's when it was at its peak. Yeah, that's when they had like Raw, and you know they had like Stone Cold and The Rock and and uh, Mick Foley, um, all kinds of cool stuff. So my mom one Wrestling's time, cool. okay, guys, don't. <laughs> it was especially cool back in the day. Um, so mom one day pulled us out of school when we were ten. Like we wow, pulled you out of school. I know, right? To see WWE. Ah! It was Again, like. My mom's cool, all right? Uh, <laughs> she wanted to be our friend, and this was the coolest way you like, could be your kid's friend. <laughs> pull you out of school to go watch WWF. Yeah, so like they had a show that was at GM Place, which yeah. is now Rogers Arena, at nighttime. 
Um, and they, there was an autograph signing in the daytime, and it was at Virgin Records, which is now Victoria's Secret on Robson. Which is, okay, fine, that's another... Anyway, <laughs> a whole other thing! But, uh, yeah, so we went there, and um, I got Owen Hart's autograph, fun fact, and I gave it to my brother. He still has it. It's on, like, a Stone Cold Steve Austin tape of, like, VHS of Cause Stone Cold said so. They were having a beef at the time. I was 10. I thought it was funny. I'm a jerk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we stood in line for hours, and we went to it. It was this wow, big adventure. Yeah. That's wild. Before his unfortunate passing. Rest in peace. Um, and, uh, yeah, we went to the show after, and as, you know, kids who didn't get to go out a lot and do a lot of, uh, like, you know, uh, going out as a family also, a to live, a big thing experience. A live rock show was wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And, like, I, I remember us not being, like, super duper close to the ring, but we weren't far away at all, and yes. that was very exciting. Our mom, she tried really hard, wow. and I love her forever for all these things. Um, it was so cute. <laughs> you know, she just goes to, she goes to the yeah. WWE with like her four little kids in tow. We're like, we gotta go to school! <laughs> we don't care where we're going. We can be going to the dentist. <laughs> I, I love going to the dentist. Is that weird? That is weird. I'm a really nice dentist and I, I used to have like very, very crooked teeth. Um, See, like when I go to the dentist now, I just feel guilt. <laughs> because I feel bad if they have to work harder on my teeth because it's like I could have prevented you from like all this labor, mm -hmm. but I did got I did get my X-rays last time, mm -hmm. and it was a two-second conversation. She's like, "You're fine." I was like, "All right, nice." Please. You know what? Don't feel bad. You're paying them, but also like I my, True, my dentists are so nice. Like I just tell them because like okay, here's a fun fact about mm -hmm. me and the dentist. Sarah's divergence from wrestling. We'll go back to we'll trust me. We'll, we're getting back to wrestling. We totally will. Like I work. A lot. And mm -hmm. I'm someone who, hilariously enough, can fall asleep in a lot of random places. My mom also does this. This mm -hmm. is that you work yourself a lot, and then maybe... Your body just gives up. Yeah, it's like, you are going to sleep now. So, so you fall asleep at the dentist chair? Yeah, I do. They could be, like, drilling my teeth and putting in a filling and cleaning it and whatever, and I'll just be like, okay, I might fall asleep, okay? Just FYI. Or I'll also... Like, I'll preface... Exactly. I'll preface every visit also mm -hmm. with... Hey y'all, I'm under tons of stress and uh, I'm doing my best to like stay super cheerful. Um, please don't chastise me about anything. I'll feel really bad about myself and I might cry. And, and they're really nice about it. <laughs> yeah, cool dentist and cool mom. Yeah, oh my god. I got a Kingsgate Dental. That place is amazing and affordable. So, I mean, if anybody in Vancouver needs a dentist, like, go check that place out. I love them. <laughs> it's really weird to be recommending my dentist on a podcast, but I've only had good experiences there for several years. Yeah, so. also, my podcast not sponsored by them. But yeah, not fine. at all. Trust, trust Karima. You should call them and be like, hey, <laughs> give me some plots. <laughs> no, and they'll be like, yo, can we listen to the episode where she mentions I'll be like, no. Right? <laughs> well, you may not. Just give me money. <laughs> Just trust me that she shouted y'all out. But you may not listen to the podcast. <laughs> yes. So wrestling. Yeah, when was like your peak, peak interest? Besides oh obviously getting pulled out of school at 10 years old, which is the best at wrestling age to be a wrestling fan. <laughs> it, was like probably, it, it was probably around that time. Like, I mean, no. the last, like, 
couple of years because I had a partner who was a huge wrestling fan, mm. like have been pretty fun, especially with the new day, like getting to grow into their own and do whatever it is that mm -hmm. they want to do. Like getting to see them have so much fun and just like celebrate themselves and yeah. the caricature of themselves that they want to celebrate yeah. has been really nice and such fun for kids to see yeah. positive role models and enjoying themselves but also just like comedy like i mean if i see people throwing pancakes like frisbees and a trombone or whatever going like that's a good time okay so y'all don't watch wrestling because you think it's like cultural like garbage a lot of times one is. you're probably right yeah two wwe doesn't do funny well in any capacity they don't they really don't so when something is actually legitimately funny it's mm -hmm. pretty funny it is yeah like that i feel like them as themselves and getting to be themselves and outgrowing anything that the writing team could have ever done for them is something really fantastic to behold because like their writers don't know how to write people and especially don't know how to write women and non-white people. Because if you're a woman, you're boozer, you're character, and then yeah. if you're uh, a you non-white person, then your skin color is your character. Exactly, and not even your skin color being your character, just like a stereotype about your skin color being your character. And like the, the arguments that w the women have in WWE are so frustrating and boring to watch. No, because it's junior high yeah, it's like, how do I even explain it? They now have an excellent women's division. Oh, it's fantastic. And there's so many talented people. And their fights are boring and petty and catty. They're all, I'm better than you. Now I'm better than you. I thought we were friends. I hate you all. Like, that's all there is. Also, it that's, is so that's, boring. That, that screechy noise Karina just made was every blonde wrestler in WWE. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, it's, and they deserve so much better. They do. They need to get, like... It is very like painfully clear that they need to get more diverse writers to write people because women. Okay, here's the thing about because the woman the woman's division in NXT is fire. Yeah, they're really great, and so for all of the the main like the four horse women yeah, from fed, NXT to come over to WWE and, and be nothing. reduced, like that's the thing. WWE collects excellent people. And then does nothing with them. No, they succeed despite the machine of WWE. Exactly. And so, um, something that also has to do with expectations mm -hmm. and understanding who I am as a person and what my life is like and what I want it to look like or what, I hate the word should, but what it... It could look like. Yeah, what it could look like has to do with dismantling the idea of internalized misogyny and thinking that other girls and women were not cool or that we have to be competitive with each other. That's something that was not built by us. And no, so thinking that like women and women characters was not cool is because they were every, every representation I had seen of them up until maybe even just a few years ago was women written by men who don't seem to like women. No, because... Women and women identifying people. Because a woman rejected them once in grade 12, <laughs> and now they must enact revenge on an entire other gender. It's like... 
It's a really important thing when, like, since we've been talking about New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. and cultural expectations, and, and, like, I hope not everyone is tuned out now because they're like, oh, pro wrestling, I don't need to hear this. That's when, fine. Like, We're, if they have... This podcast ain't for you. <laughs> if they have, This like, is the only time we'll get to talk about pro wrestling on this podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm taking that of it. <laughs> there you go. It's my podcast. Like, if they have tuned out by now, then, like, all right, cool, they do them. You know, but, I'll put timestamps in this... In the description, so they can skip <laughs> all of this. It's but fine. such an important gem is in understanding representation. Now, um, it's really difficult for people to see more for themselves and for people like them when what they've been if fed about who they are is so reductive and is from people has been created by people who and don't see them as full people. You know. Um, mm. That's part of what's really interesting about what's happening in Hollywood. I mean, aside from men publicly experiencing consequences for the first time. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, anytime someone says something like as a joke, like, oh, you know, if you were in a, if you become famous and there was a movie about your life, who would play you? I'm like, does it really matter? Scarlett Johansson's gonna get it. <laughs> like <laughs> I, just, I just love the Avengers movies, love all the Marvel movies. Not all of them, but like I, I do watch basically all of them. Um, I will never stop making fun of Scarlett Johansson after she said she could play a tree or an animal or any of those things just because I was like, somehow she managed to like make an evolved version of the racist thing people say when they're like, I don't care if someone's like, Black, yellow, red, orange. Blue, purple, blah, blah. But she did that with movie roles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was so just horrified which is, and disgusted by that remark. If I ever meet her in person one day, which is, like, never going to happen, I'm going to be like, fine. You are going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and she will win that court case because she has more money than all of us combined. I'll be like, I guess I'm just going <laughs> to... I guess she can get you ready to play a person in jail now. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, back to wrestling because I want to talk about wrestling and this is my podcast. Yes. Yeah, love the four horsewomen. Mm -hmm. I think Sasha Banks could have been like the next rock if they handled any of them like, correctly. Like If they knew they, how to handle it. They even ruined like Becky. Yeah. She was the biggest star in wrestling. Like mm -hmm. period. And they oversaturized her now, the argument for some people would be like, well, how would you book her? I'd be like, you know what? I don't know. Because I... <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. But, like, mm -hmm. there was a better way to, like, keep her, like, a megastar. Mm -hmm. And, like, Charlotte, she will always be top because of who her dad is. Yeah. And fair, she is athletically, like, phenomenal athletes. She's got the height advantage on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But... Like, my peak of wrestling probably was, like, when I was 10, but my parents, like, forbade me from watching it. Mm. And then I got back into it, like, grade 8, grade 9, grade 10, and then got out of it again. Mm -hmm. And then got really back, not really back into it, but, like, back into it when, like, CM Punk, like, cut that promo mm -hmm. on the stage. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. The one where he basically just went off live about, like, criticizing the WWE yeah, so, like, until for, they cut his mic off. So yeah. for me, like, it was planned. It was it was planned for what he was going to say and allowed to say, obviously. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just him, like, it is live television. They're not just going to be like, here's a hot mic, go. Right. 
Like, the production, what WWE does do better than AEW is production value mm-hmm. and, like, the structure of a TV show and the timing of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're, like, see it on WWE TV, it means you're meant to. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I was like, this is the coolest thing. And for me, like, I never really cared about, like, the matches and stuff. Like, sure, they're cool or whatever. But, like, I love the promos. <laughs> Some of them are pretty good. Like, I think the Rock, Attitude Era Rock, is my favorite wrestler of all time. That just was around of, the best time for wrestling. Just because of, like, the promos he cut. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the CM Punk one, I was like, like, I obviously, I knew who he was, and I was like, damn. Yeah, like, this, this is, is something entirely new. This is game-changing. It was, yeah. Fun story. So I've been asking my grandma for a little while, like, who her favorite wrestler is, yeah. and, like, you know, like, do you remember who this is? Do you remember who this is? Please don't say she said Hulk Hogan. No, <laughs> thankfully. No, you know what she said? She said The Rock, which is so funny. I'm going to, like, print out a picture of him and, like, put it in a little frame and, like, keep it next to her bed. It has to be, like, <laughs> Rock from back then. I don't even know. Because, like, The Rock now looks nothing like yeah, it's true. The Rock from 1999 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> She's like the rock, that's cool. I know, right? I was like, hey, he's one of us. When you think about it, team like Asia Pacific Islander, I'm like, yes, we are on the same team as the rock. That's a winning formulation right there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Who are your favorite wrestlers though? Like you I don't even know if I have one anymore. Like Or like just like Who do I like to watch the most? I like the New Day the best. I think that they're hilarious. And I know that like a lot of what happens in wrestling has not aged well and you know, the oh, whole, none of it is like. <laughs> yeah, and I know that like even they have done some problematic things, but like their no, whole, correct. their wholesomeness level, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, they're my favorites that are coming to mind right now. I also like AEW as well, but like their and their roster is incredible. Um, they they have some work to do eventually on storyline building but i mean yeah they, they have no writers they need they, they, they probably should hire at least a booker yeah what, what's good though yeah what's good though is that at least they're letting the characters be themselves yeah. which is nice because then you get to see who it is that they would want to be before you ask them to do anything in particular um i love that i love that their uh their roster is really diverse yeah and that they think about the fans needs in a way that hasn't really been done in wwe as well um, I mean, at this point, WWE is such a big machine, like, they don't have to. They print money. They don't, Even though they yeah. could print more money, but... They're losing a lot, too, though. Like, to, yeah. to AEW. You know, Only on NXT, though. Like, Raw and SmackDown are fucking institutions. They are. Like, the fact <laughs> that Raw can be three hours long of live television every Monday night is an accomplishment, but also, like, mm-hmm. it's too much. No weekly show needs to be three hours long, honestly. <laughs> it's like if the writing was tighter and better it wouldn't have to be as long and no. you know like they could spend more time giving the writers and i'm uh, sorry the 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 athletes and the actors like time to shine you know yeah. but i don't feel like it's used as effectively as it could be no who has that much freedom in their schedule to be able to watch Yo, another reason why i don't watch wrestling is because like i don't have time to watch eight nine hours of wrestling a week mm-hmm. that is a whole work day yeah, no, I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I'll stick with my two podcasts mm-hmm. for my two hours a week. Yeah. A week of wrestling. Who are your favorite wrestlers right now? Right now or, all, or of all time? It could go either way. Right now, um, Ricochet is 
Oh my a god! Phenomenal, yeah. like athlete. Ricochet is so incredible. Like, okay. So, so the, the best way I've heard Ricochet be described mm-hmm. is, you know how like in the '80s when like Shawn Michaels like revolutionized like the way rest how people wrestle now today. Yes. People say like in the future that's mm-hmm. how they'll talk about Ricochet. Yes. Because he is an athletic marvel. He is. Like, did you see when he used to be Prince Puma? Like a bit, but like I've yeah. seen, I've seen all the YouTube clips, but I wasn't like there in when he, he was doing it, doing it. Mm-hmm. But like he is, the sh- the stuff he does is mm-hmm. incredible. Yes. Um, I have a soft spot for Mick Foley just because he's a storyteller and it's cute. And he doesn't have like a wrestler's body that you would think of what a wrestler <laughs> body would look like, especially even back at that time. It was like this is your dad, right? Yeah, killing him, literally killing himself. When I was a kid, I read his autobiography and also yeah. The Rocks as well. And um, just reading Mick Foley's autobiography just made mm-hmm. me go like, wow, this is really just like an average dude who wants to wrestle. Good yeah. for him. Um, <clears throat> I like Heath Lee. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. Also, he's both like an NFL linebacker, but also can move <laughs> mm-hmm. with a much more smaller man than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, love Sasha Banks. She's great. Um, She's so talented. Very attracted to like Finn Balor. <laughs> and his like 17 abs. He's very talented <laughs> also, and yeah. <laughs> He's just very nice to look at. Like the, the ongoing joke that's going on right now is people just making fun of how ripped he is, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, good for him. He works good, hard for that. Good for you. <laughs> he's, he's fun back to his like Bullet Club, like Prince character. Mm-hmm. Um, love Kevin Owens. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think him and Samoa Joe are like the two best talents of WWE. Samoa Joe is very talented. Also, his theme song is epic. Like anytime I hear it, I'm like, yeah! Go! Get it! It sounds like Godzilla's coming. Yes, it does. That's why it's so fantastic. Um, it's kind of like it sounds sort of like the beginning to that. Yeah. It Like the vibes of it kind of to me sounds sort it's of like... It's a monster movie. The beginning of uh, that Simon Says rap song. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, amazing. no, it's, it's a monster movie when it comes on. Um, I like... I probably should name an Asian wrestler. I like... Because <laughs> this is an Asian podcast. Um... Nakamura's cool, even though he's been, like, kind of, like, neutered in WWE. Yeah, he is so talented, and it makes me sad to he's see He's the king that. of Trump style. Yeah, like, um, he's super-duper incredible, and, you know, it makes me sad to see him not, like, doing what he's best at in WWE and being underutilized. I love the the drama and, like, the, his, his, the, his, his hilarious personality. His match with Sami Zayn, his debut match, mm-hmm. is still one of my favorite matches of all time. It was incredible um i mean wwe fucked up kenta though so like mm-hmm. and for those of you who don't know kenta is a japanese like legend mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's fine he went back to japan and now he's gonna probably be the head of public club so yay <laughs> uh, how about you any more come to mind i'm probably like just forgetting all of them right i now. mean i also love the new day <laughs> love xavier woods like i i say if xavier woods was like six inches taller he'd be wwe champion yeah, they have this, like, preoccupation with people only being winners if they're, like, big, tall, stocky people. But, like, that's not how athleticism works. So here's another thing, since we were talking about New Year's resolutions earlier. Yeah. 
uh, tying it to wrestling, it's really important for people to also understand that like fitness and strength and health and wellness look different on everybody. Yo, this is just like that like, bullshit Jilly Michaels said about Lizzo's body like this week. <laughs> like, okay, so here's the thing. Like, people are criticizing Lizzo for, and her body and how she dresses, how she acts, etc. etc. None of your fucking business. Exactly. Like no one is gonna criticize anybody who is, you know, thin and white for and a performer for doing the same thing and, you know, no one's questioning their health practices. Also They'll, they'll criticize other things, but yeah. that's just male patriarchy bullshit. Exactly yeah, and like so Lizzo, she's out there doing tours she's running she's dancing she's, she's singing she's playing the fucking flute sasha the flute has its own instagram account sasha b flutin if you haven't seen it already take a look um and she's she's doing all this stuff like mm -hmm. people have trouble dancing along to like you know two of her songs fast for you know so that's and so she's got she's doing it all she just happens to have a bigger body and, and also she just doesn't walk on stage and do this she practices this. yeah she's rehearsing she's doing all of this stuff she is a like incredibly talented like beautiful wonderful kind funny like not just funny she's fucking hilarious like she is so like above so many things i just i love her so much and it makes me furious that people are like fat shaving her and criticizing how she carries herself it's like People need to understand if they're criticizing someone for being unapologetically like Them? fat, black, powerful, strong, great woman, like there is no criticizing just one aspect of that without tying all of those other issues to it. And yeah. if they want to argue about all of that, that's not a great way to be. You know, like there's no removing one part of the struggle from that. Let her fucking live and let her do her incredible job that she's been doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did that tie into what you wanted to say? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like health and wellness and strength doesn't look the same on anybody. And I think it's important when people think about New Year's or health goals or anything that they want to change about themselves. It's very important that they question why it is that they think they need to change it mm -hmm. and where the idea of their goal or what the image of their goal looks like. Where did it come from? Who put it in their heads? Why does it exist the way it is? I'm gonna give everybody who hears this an identity crisis and anxiety. Because, <laughs> because if someone- my audience I know, you're all welcome. Um, so that's just a thing though. If yeah. a person's like, I don't like myself or my body or my this or my that, and I wanna change it to be more like thing that I see yeah. over there it's like who told you that that is how you should be is that yeah. realistic is that safe is that something you can or should do like mm -hmm. why do you think that that is inherently better and who put those norms in place right. what is that image perpetuating and mm -hmm. where did it come from there's so many factors at play behind the scenes that a lot of people don't really question like it's it breaks my heart every time there's a fucking Victoria's Secret fashion show and you know it, yo it's wild they still did that and girls are like tweeting how they're like crying because they don't look like that i'm like nobody should look like that also guess what they haven't eaten in three days yeah exactly there's like there's so much stuff that people are being open about now mm -hmm. that people didn't know in the past like i followed a lot of like 
fitness models and bodybuilders and mm -hmm. such on Instagram. And I really appreciate people being real and saying, you know what? Transparent. I have an eating disorder. I'm struggling. I'm body dysmorphia. I'm taking t really bad care of myself. I'm pushing myself to extremes. This is sick. Yeah. I need to stop this. I need to go and get help. Like people saying, okay, I've benefited from this thing and I don't want anyone to follow in my footsteps and I need to take a step back from it. I think it's really important that people are able to be transparent and yeah. honest instead of perpetuating something that they might personally benefit from but would harm a lot of other people. Right. This is why as a nutritionist, I feel I have a responsibility to be very honest about how damaging diet culture is and how damaging a mentality is that people need to be dieting or changing mm -hmm. themselves because if we're really talking about why it is that we think we need to diet yeah. it's because we've been told something's wrong with us right. we're not deserving and people aren't going to love us we don't have value unless we hit a certain number exactly and people become people die people become obsessed with sizes with numbers with yeah. like all kinds of ridiculous standards mm -hmm. and you know having worked in food and also in health and also in fashion i can tell you all of it is garbage all of it is lies all of it is fake all of it is an image like it's smoke and mirrors and not in the fun way like the Sasha Velour show which I which was fantastic by the way um so when people see something yeah. and they want to be like that mm -hmm. it's really important for them to start understanding why that is if you want to be a person who just like you know eats a lot of food lifts a lot of weights smashes people with chairs just make sure it's consensual there we go <laughs> back to wrestling I looped it in there yeah. But I mean, so like, what's funny about wrestling, people like shit on it a lot, and like, they delegitimize it as a form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like, everything we talk about doesn't need, today, doesn't need to be like deconstructed through like heavy academia mm -hmm. or that context. It's like, whether you like it or not, like, wrestling, like, has everything we've talked about. <laughs> it's true. You know who likes wrestling? John Stewart, John Oliver, and Hari Kondabalu. Very funny and intellectual people. So I don't feel bad at all about liking wrestling. Not just because they think it's fun, but because like you're allowed to be smart and like things that are silly, but also you know have a critical lens about it. You're allowed to come from a place and want to love it, but also view it with a critical lens. Because like race relations, like is as easy as like Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik. Also, oh, Lordy. super racist Hulk Hogan, but you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my <laughs> but goodness. it's like that's the Cold War. What do What do you want to know about like Islamophobia right now? It's like you look at the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Oh my god. And gosh. you look at other Muslim characters portrayed in WWE, and it's like this is it. Yeah, Muslim or like Muslim adjacent. Yeah. But like it was a big tall brown guy with stubble let's make him the big bad oh no yeah and there's yeah so <laughs> okay last question i'm gonna ask you mm -hmm. for this marathon of a discussion you're welcome everybody <laughs> um just simply where are you eating right now where am i eating yeah my, what's good my house <laughs> most recently your house <laughs> so in my attempts to you know dig myself out of student debt within uh, uh, a reasonable time frame. I'm mostly cooking at home, but there are places that I really like to go out to eat. Okay, like, don't give me the fiscally responsible. Pretend. 
you got your own like food travel shows mm-hmm. and you get to eat through Vancouver. Oh wow. What are you packing? I'm going to Ann and Chi and I'm going to eat an entire street side platter to myself. Is that the Vietnamese place on Main Street? It is, yeah, it's on Main and 18th. Right. Um, so like every time I drive by or walk by, it's never not busy. Yeah. And I've never gone. <laughs> but see like for me I like mm-hmm. like the trash ass like both places that you, like I, I need like the Ali Wong joke and like I mean like she's like yeah. I need that mop <laughs> in, in the bucket the in bucket the corner would it make you feel better if I told you that Anne and she used to be like a, a family run like you know like finger air quotes like hole in the wall type of pho restaurant yeah because like I, I, I think the best spring rolls in the world are like the Venus spring rolls from those type of restaurants that are just like you, you get three they're mm-hmm. cut in half yeah they're the trashiest ones their they're spring the rolls are ones. really good also Ali Wong ate at Ann and Chi VT dubs um yeah. so that restaurant actually used to be like a family owned pho place mm-hmm. and the same family still owns it just the brother and sister took over it after their dad oh. passed away and they you know gave it a facelift and it's so beautiful and i i really like that they took it over to continue the family legacy but also it's fun to go there and for people to see a different aspect of what it's like to enjoy asian food because going back to um racial food stereotypes Mm -hmm. is that misnomer that asian food has to be cheap and or ugly but this is like a place where you get to go and you feel really special and it's gorgeous in there. Um, I really love what they've done with the place. No, the it's, it's a gorgeous place. Every time I walk by, I'm like, yes. I, I, I can see why there's always a line. Yeah, I've never. But I'm just like, uh. I used to live three blocks away from there. I've been oh, there. is that dangerous? Yes, I've been there way too much. And, you know, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never had anything that I didn't like. Street side platter is my favorite though. If I'm going for like my favorite bowl of pho in town. Yeah. Like, if I'm just like, I've had a bad day and I need a soup. Um, I'm going to go to Bao Chow on Hastings. Okay. A little bit around Renfrew-ish. Um, and I'm getting, like, a beef tendon, extra tendon pho with, um, like, slices of rare beef in there. Theirs is really good. They cut it across the grain, or with the grain, differently than other people do. Okay, so since and I'm from super tender, um, Alberta. Yeah. And grew up there. I mm-hmm. lived there for... 18, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beef is just better in Alberta. I will die on that hill. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like compared comparatively, like pho in Vancouver mm-hmm. and Lower Mainland is not as good as the pho I eat back in Calgary. But I never what go back to Calgary anymore. So what I if our to... beef comes from Alberta? Then what? No, it's it, 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 like if people have made this argument, and I understand the argument, but it just it hits <laughs> different when mm-hmm. you are from the place. Yes, um, of the beef. Of the redneck beef. You are from redneck beef land. I am from conservative beef land. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Holding my face. <laughs> but I have shed that part of mm-hmm. myself and don't need to go back ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all right. Yeah. Anywhere else? Um, well, I also feel like you would probably enjoy the spring rolls at Bao Chow. Like, they're quite good. So it's like, really fall, cool. like Comfort food for you, though? It is. I love soups. I'm 80. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing a big cardigan. I'm 80. Um, uh, where else do I like to go? Well, yeah, most of the places that I can think of, like, if I'm like, I could eat anywhere in town, I'm not like, I'm going to lavatoire. I'm like, I'm going to go and get my favorite soup. Like, how? Yeah, you know that's a, these are very Asian answers. That's fine. That's 
very satisfying about different Asian cuisines. Not only in that, like a lot of them are just like very comforting foods, especially ones that have sustained people through really hard times across yeah. the globe, like and are very restorative. Is also mm -hmm. something that has been really interesting to me in the history and also in studying of food and nutrition yeah. is that. So many of our cultures have healing ingredients included in the food, right. you know, and I, I really love that. Or they like, have like stories around like, mm -hmm. this is the thing you eat when you're sick. Yes, exactly. Like there's a lot of food is medicine and medicine is food. Like even in just things that you eat regularly right now, yeah. like in like when I say classically like North American food, I'm talking about like colonized like Canadian and U.S. food, right? Like what do you got? You got potatoes, you got pasta, like... And pastas from Italy, and Italians exactly. weren't even white people until, like, a while ago. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't even get that inclusionary yeah. status for a while. And so, you know, when you look at also what... There's a really great episode of Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness, where uh, he talks to somebody who is an expert mm -hmm. in how uh, colonialism destroyed native... Uh, food systems they did. yeah they did and how like, not, and not only that just also in like destroying the land and displacing the peoples and such too right but then also furtherly making it illegal for them to study or to practice their own like uh culture and you're rituals gonna, and medicine and stuff potatoes as we do. yeah not getting to you know practice their own medicine and such and to now see people trying to sell it at fucking sephora is like just another level of slaps in the face like it's there's just, there's so much going on in wellness culture, telling people so that they're wrong and then stealing their culture away from them and profiting off of it and telling them that they don't get to get any of the money from the thing that's getting t stolen from them. It's like, hey, <laughs> this is super crooked on so many levels. And so like you get kicked out of university if you steal someone else's, some other person's work. Mm -hmm. Now in the real world, it's just like, screw it. Exactly. And so like something that I'm really interested in, in food and health and wellness mm -hmm. is not just in saying like, don't forget to eat some kale and don't forget to have like eating the rainbow, blah, blah, is um, reconnecting people with pieces of their cultures yeah. and helping them decolonize what health and wellness means to them. This is crucial for survival and scientists and doctors are finally starting to figure out what it means for people's long-term health and survival when they're suffering the effects of racism every day. Like it has, it has, exactly. Yeah. And intergenerational trauma, like there are physical results from the chronic stress that people experience from these things. People are finally starting to understand it. And That's why like, so many black activists have just like died. Yeah, the stress. <laughs> like stress kills people. Like, and you know, stress changes how your hormones work. It changes how a lot of body changes systems your body, work. Changes your body chemistry. It rewires your brain. It like hurts your brain. It hurts your heart. It does so many things. And so like, I've been very grateful to connect with other people who work in different types of activism, not necessarily just being like, everybody eat vegetables, but different types of healing modalities, like mm -hmm. people who are mindfulness facilitators, people who work specifically with people of color and helping them like release and free themselves or start cultivating the parts of themselves mm -hmm. that need to be nourished. And this is something that is huge. If anyone's still thinking about New Year's resolutions or anything about themselves that they want to change, instead of punishing yourself 
for what you're not. Start thinking about what you need to release and let go of, or who you need to release and let go of in order to be your best self. Okay, we run at two hours now, so we're going to stop it there. Ah! <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking for so long. I appreciate all the things we discussed. Thank you for um, making space for all of my ramblings. No, we good. Like, we'll have you back on. <laughs> I, I, I need later, but like... <laughs> no, I'm... There are many more things we can talk about, even from the things that we did touch on already. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing, is there anything you want to plug for 2020 coming up? How can people see your writings, mm-hmm. your insights, your events, stuff like that? Thank you. Uh, people can find me on Instagram. I have two main profiles that I'm working with right now. One is mostly about food and nutrition called uh, Glory and Guts Nutrition, all one word. And then I have another one that I'm starting up about uh, food and culture and decolonization, which is mostly about positive representation as well. And it's called at Hey Have You Eaten XO. Um, so I'm going to be starting to put my writing up on a website. I uh, got a little sidetracked with uh, taking care of family, but it'll, it'll be coming soon. And if there's any finishing thoughts I have for 2020, it's uh, find ways to do things that make you feel healthy and happy. And please eat. I love everybody. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out and talking for two hours. There are plenty of more things we can and will talk about in the future. But until then, music is by Francis Arevlo, logo design is by Gracie Messina. Keep updated on Instagram at Agents in Space. Listen and subscribe to Agents in Space on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and to see other platforms is available on, go to anchor.fm slash Agents in Space. My takeaway message this week to bookend our Lunar New Year episodes is this. Reflect and give thanks to the year before. Acknowledge the people who came before you, hope for the best, and try your best in the new year to come. My name is Irving Chong. This has been Asians in Space. See you next week. Until then, we out.